All right, well, good morning. Hope everybody's having a great summer and uh, that you're enjoying your time, whatever you're doing, whether it's with uh, family, friends, um, or hanging out with us at church this morning. So I'm glad that you are here. If you're here, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And uh, if you're online, then we're glad that you're here as well. And so we'll be in our series. Uh, we <clears throat> took a look at a passage last week, just kind of focusing on the VBS focus of being legendary. What does that actually look like? I think we learned a lot about that this week. And then this morning, as we jump back into First Timothy, we'll be in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 through 16. And we'll be looking at this idea of true widows and then how do you know is the question or the idea that I want you to think about. And we read this text, a lot of times we sort of glance over it or we read it and we go, okay, yeah, that's good information. I should, you know, be there to help with my family um, and uh, especially a mom if a father passes away. Uh, but this text will kind of help us see that we can, we can kind of look beyond that and know that if there's a need somewhere, like maybe it's a, a neighbor, um, maybe it's a friend, a family member of a friend that we can, we can reach out to and say, how can I help? How can I be there? And I think this text is going to shed some light on that. And so <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, we were in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 8, and we were looking at family and how do we conduct ourselves. Many times it's, it's difficult when you know, we ask that question like, well, how much care am I supposed to give to a family member? Like what happens when there's a need? Like do I, am I really obligated? And so our question really shouldn't be, you know, am I obligated, but can I help? no matter what the situation is. Um, and I know many of you <clears throat> in the room have walked through that phase of life where maybe you're caring for an aging parent or aunt or uncle or extended family member. <clears throat> and so I want to say that um, I think that's a good thing and that should always be our perspective. Where can we help? The problem for the Ephesian church was they were going, what's the least I can do? Uh, and I think at times, if we're being honest, we will ask ourselves that question. What's the least I can do so that I have more time for me? And so it's really a selfless thing to go in any situation, in, in any situation of need, especially with our immediate families. Um, how can we be there to help? How can we be there to invest? And it can be uh, exhausting at times, can it, when we're extending ourselves for others? But at the same time, it, doesn't God do something interesting? When we, when we read this text, we go, I know what I'm supposed to do. But when I actually do it, um, God just, he, he pours over us these um, uh, feelings of fulfillment, doesn't he? I don't know if you've ever cared for somebody who's in that position, uh, but man, it, it, it means a lot. And so I think we can find ways to do that throughout our lives. We can't just look at this text and go, only this group of people should we ever care for. We should go this, and what else can we do, okay? Uh, and so with that, I, I want to just remind you, not just for our culture, but for the culture in Ephesus, um, they're oddly similar. Uh, the, the downfall of really any society is when they look at people who are in the greatest need in society, let's say the young or the unborn or the very young and the older. I won't say how old. And the older um, or the elderly. And when a culture says they're not valuable, when a culture says they're expendable, when a culture says we don't really need them around, um, that's a problem, isn't it, right? Any culture, any society grows through new birth, and so that's a good thing. Uh, and so we should celebrate that instead of going, oh no, like this is a problem. We need to, you know, curve this a little bit. And so that's why we have the issue of abortion going on right now. People are fighting so much about. Uh, and so it really shouldn't be an issue. Uh, and so then we have the other side of the spectrum, right? We have maybe uh, a family member, a friend of ours, or even a mom and dad who's entered into that phase of life, and we're going like, 
what are, we, what are we supposed to do or what do we have to do? And the question really we should come back to is not what we're obligated to do, but, but uh, really of what should we do? How should we care? How should we extend ourselves? So that's what I want us to think about in this. Uh, and so the first fill in the blank is going to be the qualified. So um, in everything that Paul is telling the church or the, in Ephesus, and he's also talking to Timothy, he's trying to address these issues. And there was a lot of abuse going on. So it was with young people in families, uh, even within the church itself. And it was also with uh, older. It was with the elderly. And people were being abused or taken advantage of. And so if you were living in that society, not only did women not really have very many rights, but also the elderly, once you got to a certain point and you couldn't work, um, it was like, well, you know, kind of a nuisance. And so um, people were not taking care of their relatives. And, and this, is like, this seems very baseline, or it should be for us simple. But for the church then, and I think especially for our culture, it's not, right? We try to figure out how can we pass off responsibility? How can we not help? How can we not be there, okay? And so let's go ahead and read through this. Uh, in verse 9, the qualify. It says, uh, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. So there's some qualifications here because the church was coming up against the situation where uh, they were new and there were a lot of exciting things going on and the gospel was changing a lot of things and people's hearts too. So the church was going, we want to help. We want to care for people's needs. And, and what the people within the church were doing, family members were going, yeah, we've got this um, little bit older individual in our family. We've been caring for him, but you know what? We feel like that's the church's responsibility now. And don't get me wrong, Paul's going to address how should the church help, how should the church be a part of that, but then at the same time, not shirking responsibility of the individual family. And so that was going on. People were saying, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I'm going to kind of pass off responsibility. And so Paul's trying to address this. Who qualifies for this? Someone over the age of 60. And then what does he say in verse 10? And having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to good work. Um, <clears throat> there was something else going on, too, as the gospel was exploding and the church was growing. Um, in Ephesus in particular, Paul's writing for this reason. He, what he's seeing is people who are not really believers. He's seeing families who are like, yeah, we're going to join the church, but we're not, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we made a decision. We're, you know, we're saved, um, and we want some benefit. So they would join in the hopes that they would receive an immediate benefit of maybe care for themselves, whether it was financial or time or, or whatever it was. And so people were looking for an out. And so they would, surprisingly, they would, they would jump into church life and then say, what can you do for me instead of how can we serve, right? And so there's this wrong perspective that's going on and uh, Paul is trying to address it. And so that's the first fill in the blank. The second one is the unqualified. So there's this broad swath of people who would be unqualified, who Paul's going to turn to the family and he's going to go, hey, yes, the church is supposed to be supplementary here. Help out, support, pray for, be invested. But then what is the family doing? If there's any family around, what they sh- they should they be doing? Well, verse 11 says, but refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Uh, Christostom, who was a church father, he was around during the 300s AD. He was a bishop of Constantinople. He said this about this verse. He said, why did Paul forbid young widows to remarry as widows even if they are willing? Do you not see that it is not those who wish to keep their widowhood, but rather those who prefer to marry after being widowed, whom he forbids to remarry as widows and appointed to that holy company. And so Paul's, he's going to unpack a few more things here, but, but just so we're on the same page, as someone's moving towards that phase of life, he's saying, hey, 
uh, here's the criteria. Here's what the church should go off of as far as support and help, and the immediate family should step in and be a part of that. But there were also people who were going, and tragically, someone would, a husband would, would die at a young age, or there'd be a family need, and they, the, they would go, hey, the, the church has got to take care of them now. And, and so Paul's going, hey, in family life and personhood, here's what's going to work better. And at the same time, the culture, Ephesus, there, there wasn't any really like system of like welfare, social security. So, so, so that's kind of piled on top of it. Like uh, if you didn't know back then, like uh, in ancient times, uh, when someone got to a certain age or a spouse, a spouse passed away, that other family member would just move in with another family, right? And so similarly to when someone got married, they would just add on to the house, dad's house. So everybody would move in together and it was one big happy family in one place. And so the cycle repeats itself. But what was happening in the church? People were going, no, I don't want to do that. How do we get out of this? Wait, we can be a part of the church and they're going to provide a need. They're going to help out. And Paul's saying, no, that's not even practical, right? Because young woman, she can remarry. And so he says, hey, here's how we need to fill this gap. Uh, and so he, he gives that to them. And then in verses 13 and 14, we, we see where it goes bad. And I, I feel like I see more of this now because, you know, we have a young family, like, um, and a new little baby. So you can imagine, uh, I was working with the band this morning, and I was like, guys, you're going to have to forgive me. I think I got, I got a few hours of sleep last night. And, and so trying to operate off of that is difficult. But where do you find yourself in that position? You're really busy, right? You don't really find a lot of time for, uh, you know, for hobbies or other things, uh, especially some of the things that are mentioned here in the text. And this is what he's going to talk about here. Uh, in verse 13, it says, Besides that, they learned to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what, sh- what they should not. So, I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. And you may have heard it said before, um, I think it was maybe a grandmother who said this to me, idle time is the devil's playground. Now, you won't see those words in the text, but they certainly do ring true, right? So someone who is in a young family, has kids, right? They they don't typically have a lot of time. So Paul says, hey, it'd be better to do this, to remarry. Should the church take care of them? No, they should remarry. And then he says here, it'd be better to do that than to go off into this place where you swerve into gossip and slander. And we've talked about that before too. It only leads to worse things. So this word here for gossips is flor eos in the Greek to talk about vain or foolish things, right? When we only have a little bit of time, right? We're growing up, we've got a young family. You've got a little bit of time, what do you want to invest that in? Usually not vain, foolish things. You want to spend your time on things that matter, right? So this is what Paul's trying to get at here. As far as family life, how is it supposed to operate in the culture at the time? So again, here's the position that younger women were in, and uh, there's just one of the things to think about. Uh, the church at the time, it wasn't going to be able to care for everybody, right? Especially younger widows. And so here's the second thing. The system of government that was in place uh, also wouldn't necessarily be there to kind of help out. So Paul's saying, here's the better way uh, that it should go. And here's who we're going to enroll, who's, who we're not going to. And here comes the uh, area of responsibility. So we've got qualified, unqualified. I feel like when we read you know, those texts, we're like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, and then we get to verse... 15. There's a caution for us, and the last fill in the blank is the right way. The right way. And so this will be short today, I promise. 
Last fill in the blank the right way. In verse 15, there's this caution that's given, and it, it should make us reflect. Like when we, when we read these things, we shouldn't just go, oh yeah, it's common sense. And a lot of times there is a lot of common sense in the Scripture and what Paul was trying to help the church give them some direction. But in verse 15 it says, For some have already strayed after Satan. So what was going on? Like everybody was just going, it's not my responsibility. Oh no, I don't have to do that. I'm, I'm not going to have a family, right? Maybe something tragic happens. They say, I'm done. The church can take care of me. And Paul's going, no, you should have a family for what's already happening. For some have already strayed after Satan. There was a lot of falsehood going on, a lot of false teachers, people saying things that were leading people astray as well. And so there may have been good intentions there, but at the same time, uh, Paul's going, hey, uh, we need to understand what honors God in caring for family, for relatives, right? And so we'll see this word here in verse 16. It says, if any believing woman has relatives, any believing woman has relatives, we'll go back to that word, who are widows, let her take care of them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So there's this immediate family aspect of caring for those in need. And, and I want to say about our church, um, I've been really impressed. Like I've seen a lot of really, I think, good things just kind of walking alongside um, family members um, that are aging for and caring for the needs of those um, that need it. Um, I think about um, the funeral that some of you went to yesterday for Greg's mom. She passed away. Uh, all the struggles and all the things that are involved for caring for someone who's at the end of life, it's very difficult, right? And so some people, especially in the church in Ephesus, just said, I just don't want to deal with it. Hopefully somebody will pick up the slack. And they said, church, maybe you will. So Paul's saying, Let, don't shirk your individual responsibility. Um, and I know some of us too are thinking, well, yeah, you know, I probably care for you know, my mom and dad, but... And there's even some of you in the room too that I think about that um, have shared with me in the past caring for a neighbor or a family member or a friend. And I'm like, wow, like that. You know, that's awesome. You know, we, we should be doing those things too. We should be, you know, if we live across the street from somebody who the grass is 10 feet tall and it's maybe single mom or maybe somebody who's had their spouse pass away and, and they just can't take care of it anymore. Those should be signs like the, like the little evidences and things that are all around us of things that we can reach out and be the church. And we can do this in subtle ways too. Um, it shouldn't be that difficult for us. But I like this word here for relatives, kare uh, in the Greek. It's certainly talking about widows, but it's also talking about like a de- dependent relative, somebody that's in need, somebody that you see a need for and that you can meet. So again, the question is not, when we look at this text going, what, what's the least that I can do? Like, how, how's the, le- like the least I can serve, the least I can help out, um, the least I can be a part of caring for someone else? And we all have many other things going on, don't we? But as Paul's talking to the church, he wants this reflection of God's people to be ones who care for their own first and say, what can the church do after that? Well, he points them in the right direction and he uses that word there, relatives who are widows. Let care, her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may be for those who are truly widows. So we've got the qualified, the unqualified, which is a pretty common list of things you would think of. And this last one, um, the right way. Um, what's the right way to do things, the right way to handle things in these type of situations, which I can't even pretend to understand all the different situations in the room and, and those listening online. Um, how do we care for those in need, especially our immediate family members? The, the truth is that we should be looking for every opportunity. How can we serve? How can we help? And how can the church come alongside 
and be a part of that? And what's our responsibility? Maybe not doing the least that we possibly can, but maybe, maybe saying, what's the most that I could do in this situation? And I'll close with this, just a, a story. Um, it's about winning. Everybody likes to win, right? Nobody would say that they like to lose, I guess. And so I was thinking about this when I was reading through this. Um, Alana's in a phase of winning. Now, when you hear that word too, you also think of a particular actor who I won't mention that really kind of coined the phrase. Uh, and, and we hear that now. It's just sort of part of our culture. Um, and so Alana and I, we're doing things. She'll always just go like, <laughs> she'll have to win. And so she'll, we go in somewhere and she'll be like, hey, Dad, I'm racing you, but she'll already be partway there. <laughs> or, or she'll take that, uh, that step in front of me, which is very fast now. Um, it's faster, faster than me. And she'll get to where we were going and she said, Dad, I won. And so I go, well, I, I didn't know we were racing or you know, something like that. Sometimes I'll just say, you know what, uh, you're right, you win. And so after one of these episodes, because there was a lot of winning going on one day, <laughs> I said, let's have a talk about this. Let's have a talk about um, winning because I, I think maybe at times we don't really see it rightly. We don't really see what, what winning when we come, especially at the end of our lives, really is supposed to look like, uh, maybe not what it looks like to the rest of the world. And we talked about this parable Jesus told in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, there's this uh, group of people. And Jesus is saying, hey, the, the kingdom of heaven is like this. So this is what we should aim for um, and not be confused by. So there's a group of people. They're all workers. They're coming to work for this guy. And he goes to him and he finds his first group early in the morning. Right? Most of us start work, right? Early in the morning. Uh, and so you find this first group and he says, hey, I'm going to pay you this wage, right? Here it is. And they go out and they start working in the field. Then there's a second group. He goes out about midday. I'm sure you remember the story. And uh, he, he goes and he says, I'm going to pay you this wage. And it was the same wage for somebody who was working half the time. And then there's this group of people. So they're all working too. And then there's this final group of people who are hired with, with only an hour left in the day. And this master, this guy, he comes <clears throat> to this group and he says, I'll pay you this wage if you work for the same amount of time. And towards the end of this interaction, there's obviously a group of people who are upset. Maybe the ones who, well, I came and I worked all day and I worked for this wage. And the master's going, you agreed to work for this wage and you were still paid for it. And <clears throat> so at times I wonder, when I read stories like this and I'm interacting with Alana who says, you know, I have to win. I, I wonder where we should fall in all of this because there's a verse at the end that I want to mention to you. And uh, it's it's verse 16. It says, So the last will be first, and the first last. Um, And when I told Alana that at the end of the story, and she was kind of like, yeah, that didn't seem fair. Like the guys who who worked the one hour and got paid the same wage. And I said, it's not really about winning in this way, about being first or about getting what you think you deserve. It's about being faithful just in the moment to do whatever God wants you to do in that moment. And being prepared for it too. I, I think if, like we talked about when we sung, if we were really picturing God, um, that he, was, he is on this throne and we worship him and whatever he wants us to do, um, we'll do. And if the perspective of our life is that we're, we're grateful for what we have. And then we read this account about God's care for those that uh, are, are in our lives, uh, an immediate need of a relative and the church family to come and walk alongside that. Our perspective should be, God, it's not about like our, what our culture would say, maybe getting everything that I can get now or getting the things that I want and not allowing anybody else to hinder that, but to step up and to maybe make a difference in a stranger's life. But more than that, saying, 
What's my role going to look like as life progresses? How can I meet the needs that are right around me, and especially for my immediate family? Interestingly enough, after we read that verse, <laughs> uh, Alana started you know, saying to Hannah, she'd be like, you go first, because I'm really winning if I go last. <laughs> uh, and so I, I just always thought about that. And, and um, at some point, we were going like, you don't have to do that all the time. But she's just going, <laughs> she would look at me, she'd go, but I'm really winning, and somebody else goes first or when I can put somebody else's needs first, or when I can take care of somebody. And, and I'm like, if, if a five-year-old can get that, I'm like, why, why can't we? I mean, why can't we? Read? Like, we read these parables, and Jesus is talking all about the way that we should live and looking in perspective of heaven. And as Paul is writing to the church, to Timothy, to Ephesus, and they've just got things so mixed up. They're going, I want to get what I can get now. I'm going to take care of me. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. I don't care if it's somebody that is closer to me, a family member, a friend, somebody connected to the church. We're going to take care of us. And Jesus says, so the last will be first. The first, last. So maybe we remember that. Hopefully we do. The question is, how do we know? How do we know who we should care for? How should we step up? Well, the question is not really asking, what's the least I can do? It's saying, what can I do right now? How can I be faithful? And how can I maybe view this perspective of, of winning in regards to how, how can I put other people first? And Jesus talks about it all the time. And we see it really plainly here. What are we supposed to do? Well, definitely putting others before ourselves. And I think this question, like the question for the church in Ephesus, it, it's not really going to be a question. It's just going to be, I'm going to fill the needs where I can. And the church is going to come alongside and help and be a part of that. So what's the focus? Well, let's just be selfless, right? Instead of being selfish. But maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you hear this message and you think, uh, well, I've never really done that before. I've kind of just been all about myself. Or maybe you're listening online and you think, um, I don't know that I want to be there for friends and family and for other people, strangers in need. But what does God tell us? <laughs> we put ourselves last. We're really first in the kingdom of heaven in that perspective. So I'd like to share with you, like we did with the kids at VBS. When all those kids raised their hand, they heard a simple message. And it's just this, that they admit that they were a sinner. Nobody's perfect, right? Nobody in the room's perfect. Not me, not anybody. And believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins. And that ultimately, that if we confess that with our mouths, like those kids, I mean, like little kids, they get it, right? We have a hard time, don't we? Even as adults, even after we believe, we're like, does God really care for me? Does he really love me? He does. And in the text that we read today in Romans in the quiet time, it's not because of what we've done. Isn't that the good news, right? Uh, That we couldn't do anything to merit God's favor, but he's given it to us freely. Grace, salvation, um, so if that's you today and you've not made that decision, I'd like to invite you um, to do that, okay? Uh, let me pray for you. I'll be here afterwards if you want to talk or reach out to us online, okay? Uh, Father, we um, thank you for this time. Thank you for the word um, that uh, it, it goes deep into our hearts. God, we know your word, it doesn't return void. So when we talk about it, um, it should clearly lay out for us, God, how we should put others first. Maybe that's in our friend relationships. It should be in our family relationships, um, God, for those who are in our church family, um, how can we meet needs? I think that's the question for us, not how we, can we do the least we possibly can. Um, God, I'm thankful for all the kids who made decisions this week uh, at VBS, um, those that would hear the gospel message for the first time and respond to you. Um, we're so thankful for that. Um, God, we just pray you'd give us right perspective that it, in this life, um, it's not about winning like maybe the culture would tell us. Uh, but maybe, just maybe it's about putting other people first, like you've said. 
if we could maybe live by those simple principles, um, I think our lives would be different. Um, thank you that you've given us that perspective, and that's uh, your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Uh, remember, as David's been doing the announcements, he hasn't mentioned a special day uh, for him and Rachel, uh, but coming up this Saturday, right? This Saturday, right? So out at the Olsons, all the information's in the bulletin. Uh, please uh, make sure you take a look at that. Um, come out if you can, and uh, let's celebrate uh, a couple of our own about to get married, so who've been serving at the church, right? Everybody have a good Sunday, okay? Love you.